When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf and welcome to my podcast, Cleaning Up the Mental Mess, a podcast dedicated to helping you clean up your mind, boost your mood and live your happiest and healthiest life. Today's episode is taken from session one of my virtual mental health summit, which just happened this past weekend. Anxiety, depression and post-traumatic stress are all ways of describing natural human responses to adversity. We all face adversity in so many different ways. Challenging events and circumstances are as much a part of our modern existence as they were a part of human history. In this session, I discuss how this pain, which is very real, is a sign that there's something going on in your life that needs to be addressed. You are in a state of disequilibrium. It's not a sign of a defective brain. The brain is going through a process of reordering and reorganization in response to an experience because the brain responds to the mind. I will teach you how to identify these warning signals, how to address them, and how to begin healing. If you want to listen to all 11 sessions featuring guest speakers like Dr. Daniel Amen, Dr. Nicole Lupera, Dr. Will Cole, Dr. Henry Cloud, and Michelle Williams, you can purchase the entire conference recording on Vimeo. The link and details will be in the show notes below. Before we begin, I have some exciting news. If you don't know by now, my new book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, is available for pre-order. In this book, you will learn how to reduce anxiety and depression and toxic thinking habits by up to 81% in five simple and scientifically validated steps. This book also includes guides on how to use the five steps to detox trauma, overcoming toxic thinking habits like people-pleasing, and more. And when you pre-order now, you will get access to some amazing bonuses like a downloadable workbook, exclusive bonus chapters with how-to guides for helping children detox their brains, an exclusive three-week book club with me, and more. Pre-order your copy today at Amazon, Target, Barnes & Nobles, BAM, wherever books are sold. And I will be narrating the Audible book, so stay tuned for that. You can also visit cleaningupyourmentalmess.com for more details and to order. The link will be in the show notes. And now, on to today's episode. Welcome to session one. In this session, I'm going to be teaching you about the concept of mind management and how we have a problem because we've been mismanaging our minds. And when we mismanage our minds, it leads to all kinds of mental health issues. One of the most important things with managing our mental health is learning how to manage our minds. So I'm going to ask you a few questions just to start off. And the first question is, 
Do you ever feel like your brain has just been switched off? Do you ever feel discouraged, unfocused, overwhelmed? Are there unhealthy patterns in your family that you just can't seem to break? Do you start your day exhausted and depressed? Are you anxious about the future? Are you haunted by your past? Do you feel lost and uncertain? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are not alone. If you're human and you're breathing, which you are, you probably have experienced all of those. You can probably say yes to all of those questions. More and more people are battling with anxiety and depression and burnout. And we need to address this. It hasn't been addressed properly over the last 40 years. In fact, the last 150 years. And we have to start finding better solutions. And there is actually a really simple solution. Even though it's a very complex concept, mental health and managing our mind, it isn't actually that difficult when you know how. So let's learn about how we manage our minds. If you are battling with these things like anxiety and burnout and stress and depression and etc, etc, it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. You're not a defective person. You're basically responding to the adversities of life. We've always battled with the adversities of life. It doesn't mean that you have a mental illness if you have anxiety and depression. We need to have a new narrative around this concept. Things like post-traumatic stress and anxiety and depression, these are ways of describing the experiences that you've had. They are emotional and physical warning signals that we get that something is going on. And we face adversity in so many different circumstances and at so many different times. You know, challenging events and circumstances are part of being human. If we call these kind of responses, anxiety and depression, if we call these emotional responses, mental illnesses or diseases, we've actually completely missed the point. Look at the slide. Anxiety, depression, burnout, frustration, angst, PTSD, anger, grief and so on are emotional and physical warning signals telling us that we need to face and deal with something that is happening or has happened in our life. This pain, which is very real and needs to be attended to, is a sign that something is wrong. You are in a state of disequilibrium. It's not a sign of a defective brain, and your pain does not need to be validated with a medical label. Modern psychological and psychiatric approaches to dealing with mental health over the last 40 years have not improved mental health. In fact, we see a worsening in mental health. It's the cry of everyone's heart, and that's why you've attended this conference. There's a concern that there's going to be a pandemic increase in mental health issues during this COVID era and whatever comes after. But mental health issues are not something new. We have always dealt with mental health issues. Since the beginning of time, we have battled as humans with adverse circumstances. We can't control the events and circumstances of our life because life happens. But there is something we can learn to control, and that is our reactions to those events and circumstances, and that is our mind. Mind management really does begin with understanding how the mind works, which I'm going to be going into in this session in quite a lot of depth. But I first want you to see this whole concept of mental health with a fresh set of eyes, with a new narrative. Instead of seeing anxiety and depression as a medical disease, which is the biomedical model, rather see 
anxiety and depression and all these scary words as warning signals that something is going on in your life. Also see them as normal reactions to adverse circumstances. Let's face it, if you're feeling anxious and fearful about your future and feeling hopeless maybe in the current circumstances, well, that is a very normal reaction. It doesn't mean you're mentally ill or have a defective brain or a neuropsychiatric brain disease if you're feeling depressed. You know, the easiest way to understand this is to think of a number line. And in the middle is zero. And on this side, it goes from one to 10. And on this side, it goes from minus one to minus 10. And imagine a bell curve. You've all seen a bell curve. And the bell curve hovers around minus four, minus three, minus two, zero, minus one, zero, plus one, two, three, four. So you've got this bell curve hovering around that area. Now, that represents us in life. So in any one day, most of us spend most of our time hovering in the minus four, plus four range. So we wake up and we wake up maybe a little anxious. So we kind of maybe at a minus four because something happened and we didn't quite resolve it when you went to sleep last night. And then you open your text and you get an amazing text from a friend or something. And suddenly you feel like a plus four. And then you get down to breakfast and your kids are fighting and you go and so on. And then you get to work and it's up and down. And most of us live around that zone. Then sometimes things hit us the traumatic experiences of life. It could be something acute, like someone dies in your family or you lose a job or there's financial issues or those things that come out of the blue. And that can completely throw you off course and you can move out of that minus four range. Sometimes we haven't dealt with stuff from childhood and we've got traumas from things that we've gone through in childhood or early teenagerhood or in a first marriage or as you're growing up and you've never really dealt with them. You've maybe lived in a pattern of suppression where you've been constantly pushing them down. And then you get to a point in your life where something happens and it gets triggered. And now those suppressed acute traumas from childhood or adulthood or wherever they occurred suddenly are in your face and you find yourself going into getting really depressed and really anxious. And you find yourself sliding down that scale and maybe you're hitting an 8, 9, 10, minus 8, minus 9, minus 10. And you're so depressed and you just don't want to live anymore. You just feel like giving up or you're so anxious that you can't function and maybe even have some psychosis, that scary word. Psychosis are when your mind is just not coping with what's going on. It's a very normal reaction to abnormal circumstances. And I know that sounds weird, but we need to normalize our experiences. And if you're in a minus eight, nine and 10 zone, it doesn't mean that you have to live there. It means that it's something that you're going through and it's a process of embracing and processing and reconceptualizing with the support of others. We can't do this alone to help bring you back to that minus four plus four and then life carries on and then you can have some plus tens and so on. So if we think of it like that, it changes things. Having a mental health challenge isn't the same as diabetes or cancer, but it's been likened to that. It's almost as though your emotional state has to be validated with a disease label. And that's a problem because how we cannot describe the hugeness of your experience with just a label, just saying you're clinically depressed doesn't say anything about what you're going through. But if I took the time to listen to your story, your unique individual narrative, That's much more accurate in understanding and helping and trying to, not that we can ever really be an expert on anyone else's experience, but by me listening to your narrative, I honor what you are going through because your mind is the biggest part of you. So if your mind is in a mental chaos, then your body and brain are in a mental chaos and your life is in mental chaos. 
And that can happen, as I said, on that number line. Minus 10 is a lot of mental chaos. Plus 10 is a really euphoric state. So, and we hover between these, as I said. But that's not a disease. That is you being human and you have a unique story. There is no cookie cutter label that can describe you and put you in a box and say, okay, this is it. And this is what you need. And that's the medication. That's the approach that has happened over the last 40 years. It's been very much one of bringing mental health and subsuming it under the label of the biomedical model, which is a brilliant model when it comes to cardiovascular issues and immune issues, autoimmune diseases and cancers and so on, the diseases of the brain and the body. But when it comes to explaining what you are going through, to just say when you've been raped or you've been had really battled with some traumatic experience or you've had an acute trauma in your life, just to say, okay, now you have a disease of clinical depression and here's your medication and here's a few strategies and just get on with life. That is taking all the humanness out of you and your experience. We have to see each other as humans that need each other with individual stories. And it's so unique because you can have two children in the same family going through the same, similar, maybe parents that are divorced or parents that are abusing them. And they're each going to have their own unique experience. So we've got to be very careful of saying that's that kind of category and that's that kind of category. We've got to be so careful of saying that you've got PTSD and that that's it. You're not an it, nor is your experience an it. Your experience deserves to be processed and it's part of you. And that's what I'm here to help you to do, to understand between the therapy sessions, what do you do? Between the counseling sessions, what do you do? You have to know how to manage your mind when all these issues are occurring in your life. And just managing the day-to-day stuff, because it's not just the acute traumas that can throw us for a loop. It's just being alive during the day, just dealing with what's happening in politics and happening in family and happening at work and happening in the traffic as you go about your daily living. Do you have a mind management strategy to help you cope get through the day? Most of us don't. Most of us just react and we react from past experiences, react from very often traumatic experiences, very often bad habits that we've built. We just get into these habits and and we become very reactive. But we can change that. We can direct how our mind works, which means that we can actually change how our brain functions and our body functions. Lately, I have been finding it hard to motivate myself to work out and be more active, especially as I work on finishing my new book on a tight deadline. But I recently discovered a hack that actually makes me excited to work out and go for long walks. So, what is it? Well, I love listening to audiobooks on Blinkist. Blinkist is an app that takes the best key takeaways, the need to know information, from thousands of non-fiction books and condenses them down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed non-fiction books, all the books you want and all for one low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash Dr. Leaf. Try it free for seven days. And save 25% of your new subscription. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. Blinkist.com slash Dr. Leaf to start your free seven-day trial. And you'll also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash Dr. Leaf. The link and offer details will also be in the show notes. I've spent 38 years researching the mind-brain connection. 
And I still do research. And I'm going to share with you over these six sessions elements from my most recent research that I did with my incredible research team, where we showed that when you manage your mind, when you can learn to manage your mind, you can change the physical functioning of your brain. You can even improve your DNA and your cellular health and your biological health and things like your cardiovascular health, the cortisol levels in your body. You have so much control. But we so often don't feel empowered to be able to control things. We feel so out of control. When you're told that you have a neuropsychiatric brain disease because you've had a tremendously sad experience like losing a loved one, that kind of takes away your autonomy and you don't feel empowered. I want you to be empowered again. I want you to learn the pathway to empowerment where you can recognize that you have this autonomy. You can use your mind to control your mind to change how you are functioning in life. I want you to understand with this newfound independence and autonomy that you can shift the power balance from being controlled by what is going on in your life or has gone on in your life that's playing out into the current circumstances. You know, our past plays out into our current circumstances. I want you to realize that you have the autonomy not to be chained or pinned down by those, but that you can actually break those chains, that you can start looking at those toxic reactions that you are having and those toxic thoughts. And you can start getting a shift in power where they're not controlling you and you control them, that you can actually start seeing challenges as opportunities and not barriers. And that will lead to a sense of well-being. And this is not easy. It's not a walk in the park and it's not a one-off thing. This is a life skill. What I'm talking about is you breathe, you do mind management. You can go three weeks without food. You can go three days without water. You can go three minutes without oxygen. But you don't even go three seconds without using your mind. You are always thinking, you are always feeling, and you are always choosing. That's what your mind is. If you want a definition of mind, mind is how you think and feel and choose. Those three go together. You're always thinking, because you're always thinking, you're always feeling, and when you think and feel, you automatically make choices. And this is happening really, really fast in your mind. And your mind has got different levels and different divisions. So. We are always thinking, feeling, and choosing, and that is mind. Mind is this incredibly powerful force of thinking, feeling, and choosing that generates energy through your brain. And you are able to direct that thinking, feeling, and choosing. You can literally use your thinking, feeling, and choosing to control your thinking, feeling, and choosing. And that thinking, feeling, and choosing is not some random thing that's just hanging out there. It's actually an energy force that moves through your brain. So that means that your mind is not your brain. Your mind and your brain are separate things. Your mind moves through your brain and your brain responds to your mind. So here I've got a brain and this brain is basically responding to your thinking, feeling and choosing. In fact, your thinking, feeling and choosing, which is your mind in action, is what's keeping this brain alive. It's what's keeping your body alive. Because you're alive, you are generating this energy force through the brain. That then causes electrical, chemical, all the, and genetic responses in the brain, which then influence how every single cell in your body works. So your mind is driving the functioning of your brain. You are always responding to life because you're always experiencing life. You wake up in the morning, you're thinking, feeling, and choosing. You don't even go three seconds without doing it. That thinking, feeling, and choosing is not just some, as I said, some ethereal random thing. It is actually a force that moves through your brain. And your brain is changing in response. That's called neuroplasticity. The ability of your brain to respond to your mind. So 
So your mind is changing your brain. Your brain is responding. But that response in your brain doesn't stop there. It actually then influences every cell of your brain and your body. So collectively, your brain and your body are made up of 75 to 100 trillion cells. However many, that's the estimate. It's a lot of cells. In an instant, as you're listening to me now, you are thinking, feeling, and choosing in response, and you are generating this force through your brain and instantaneously through every cell of your body, and right now you're influencing every single function in your brain and in your body. When we recognize that kind of power, then obviously it's logical that if our mind's a mess, we're going to create a mess in our brain and a mess in our body. Now, I'm not saying that to make you feel guilty. I'm telling you that to help you to have the knowledge and the awareness of the power that you have. So it's to make you feel empowered. And that means obviously that if our mind is in chaos and we we do affect our brain and our body, we can, for example, raise our cortisol. But by the same token, you can also lower your cortisol. You can put your heart at risk with raised cortisol and raised homocysteine, which shows inflammation in the brain and the body. But you can also control that. And that's what I showed with my most recent clinical research, that as you learn to manage your mind, as you learn to manage your thinking, feeling, and choosing, you can increase your ability to control things like anxiety and depression by a whopping 81%. And that is so powerful. When I did my research, we looked inside the brain. We used QEEG technology, which looks inside the brain real time. It doesn't read your thoughts, but it looks at the response energetically in the brain to how you're thinking, feeling, and choosing. We also looked at blood values. We looked at things like cortisol, which everyone's familiar with, and things like homocysteine, which shows inflammation in the body, and things like DHEA, which is called the mother hormone and is very influence, influences the other functions of the body. We looked at things like the DNA, right down to the level of the DNA. And I'm going to be sharing bits and pieces of this as I go through these six sessions to make it easy for you to grasp these concepts. But what we saw overall was that in our experimental group with the subjects that learned the mind management technique that I'm going to teach you in these six sessions, they experienced the significant ability to control their anxiety and depression by 81%. We saw significant changes in their cortisol levels, significant changes in the length in the DNA. Some of the subjects went from having a biological age that was up to 30 years older than their chronological age. So what that means is that we had some subjects that at the beginning of the study were in their 30s, but they had bodies, their cellular age was 30 years older than what they, what they actually were. So they were, their bodies were aging, which meant that they were vulnerable to so many diseases. Once we then put them through the mind management in the experimental group, the techniques that I'm going to teach you, their biological age matched up with their chronological age. So they got back, they they aligned again. So they removed that. And it happened in a short period of time, over a nine-week period. And it was sustained at six months. So therefore, what we're seeing is that it didn't mean that now life is a walk in the park. It doesn't mean that that you're going to just experience number 10 all the time on the number line. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that you're going to be empowered to deal with the things of life because life is going to keep happening and all those toxic things are going to keep happening. People are going to speak toxic words over you. You're going to get stuck in people pleasing. You're going to be battling with those ruminations. You're going to be, this is life. The cute things are going to hit us. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But if you've got mind management, you can keep your brain in a healthy state. And you can keep your body in a healthy state. And that gives you a level of empowerment. One of the things that causes such a lot of inflammation in the brain and the body is not being able to deal with uncertainty. 
we have this absolute desire as humans to stick around the familiar and to stay around the familiar, even if it's a bad familiar, because we're so frightened of the future, of, of uncertainty. But when you learn how to embrace uncertainty and you feel empowered that, okay, I don't know what's coming up, but I know that I have the skills to get my way through, we see massive changes in how the brain and the body functions. And that's what I try and help people to do. You've got to live with your mind all the time. As I said, you wake up in the morning and you are responding to the experiences of life, the conversations, the texts, the emails, the politics, the business, the kids, the whatever in your life. And all of that is being thought, you're thinking, feeling, choosing, and you're building that into your brain. You're changing the structure of your brain all the time. At nighttime when you sleep, sleep, you're still thinking, you're still feeling, and you're still choosing. A little bit different because obviously you're asleep, so it happens on the non-conscious level, but you're still changing your brain. At nighttime, you sleep to sort out what you have, the, the things that you've built into your brain and into your body during the course of the day. And if you don't have a plan for going to sleep, then you're going to go to sleep with chaos, which then affects your sleep. And sleep is so important for regeneration of your, of your brain and your body and for a million different things. I mean, there's so many things about why sleep is important that we really need to prepare for sleep early in the morning. And all of that can be is, is part of mind management. I'm not telling you that you're going to learn all these things in just this conference. I'm going to teach you the skills in this conference, and then you're going to go from here and learn how to apply these. But these are skills that you can teach your kids. I'm going to talk to you about how to help your kids learn this when they're really young. I wish I had learned this when I was young. My kids have been brought up on this. And it doesn't make life, e it doesn't make life a walk in the park, but it makes life a lot easier to deal with because you can be realistic and you have a mind management plan going in. This is one of what we found a lot with the subjects in my most recent research is they said, I still feel depression. I'm still battling to sleep at night, but I'm sleeping 25% better or 30% better. But I know what to do when I can't sleep. I know why I can't sleep. I can sit up and do something now. I don't just sit there going into a complete panic attack. When I feel depressed, I don't feel uh, controlled by the depression. I feel I'm, I, I know how to control that depression. You see, you can learn to make anxiety and depression and angst and grief and all those emotions work for you and not against you. It's kind of like your cell phone. We know that if we don't keep charging it, it just runs out of battery. You have a limited energy in the course of a 24-hour period. And that energy most is used in two different ways when you're awake and you're asleep. And when we allow ourselves to be consumed by toxic ruminations and constantly going down negative rabbit holes and not having a plan in place to deal with the acute traumas and chronic things that go on in life, then that we drain that battery. We're so frightened of, of uncertainty. We're so frightened of depression and anxiety that we made these scary things. I'm going to tell you now, depression and anxiety and angst and grief and all these things, embrace them, use them. Because if you don't bring them into your orbit and learn to control them, you, they, they will then drain that battery energy out of you. But you can take depression and you can find the message in the depression, the message in the anxiety. And in that, you're still going to be crying. You're still going to feel depressed, but you have a way through. You see, the only way out is through. You can't just keep suppressing. You can't just keep dragging it away. You can't just keep distracting yourself because at some point in your life, it will explode in your brain and your body. Your brain and your body simply do what you tell it to do. So how you are managing your life is influencing the functionality of your brain and your body. And this changes that, these changes that occur in the brain as I've mentioned, it's called neuroplasticity. You can direct the neuroplasticity. You can actually control the changes in your brain. That doesn't mean that you're instantly going to heal from the cancer. I can't even say that to you. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that I'm not talking about positive thinking and attracting wealth into your life. I'm not talking about that. 
I'm talking about something far more important and far more serious and far more profound. I'm talking about you being a human, realizing that life is filled with challenges and uncertainties. And here is a way of navigating my way through so that I can manage these ups and downs and experience the full joy of being human. You know, the Japanese have a beautiful concept called kintsugi, and it's of it's the concept of a beautiful porcelain vase. If it falls to the ground and shatters, they don't just sweep the pieces and throw it away. They meticulously pick up every single piece and they rebuild the ceramic vase or whatever it may be, but with gold lacquer. So eventually they've recreated this incredibly beautiful vase or porcelain piece of art, and it's now got all these gold little cracks in them. And that's beautiful That because that is your story. You see, our lives do shatter and we've got to rebuild. I'm not talking about sweeping it under the carpet with a, with a technique or a drug or a distraction. I'm talking about embrace it. Bring it into your orbit. The research shows and my most recent research has shown as well that when you embrace and process and reconceptualize that depression, you find the causes and you can redesign and reconceptualize and move forward into a future where your past doesn't have to control you. You see, you have the ability to change how the past plays out into your future. You're not chained to the past. The past is always influencing your present, but you can decide how the past influences your present. And the past could be as recent as an hour ago. Maybe an hour ago, someone sent you an email or a text or something that threw your life upside down. And now it's an hour later. So it's the past. You can decide how that past is going to play out into your future. You may not have grown up in the ideal home where you got the nurturing and you got your needs met. So you've got all these traumas and you've created these habits. You can change how that plays out into the future. I'm not telling you to throw that away, throw your story away. It's part of your character. It's part of you. It's part of your narrative. I'm saying rebuild it into that porcelain pot and with the gold. That's that Kintsugi principle. It's kind of like if you're renovating your house where the house is being renovated. There's the house gets maybe raised to the ground or certain parts get taken out and you, redo, you may redo a kitchen or redo the whole house, whatever. But there's a deconstruction and a reconstruction. It's still the same house, but it's different. You still remember how it was, but it's different. So you're influencing, and that's mind management. Mind management is this ability that we have to be able to influence how we manage those every three seconds. It requires a very deliberate and intentional type of thinking. You can't be reactive. Mind management's not reactive. But we're not designed to be reactive. Your brain does not like. Your body does not like. Your chromosomes do not like reactivity. Our brain is wired for productive, proactive ways of thinking, of directed neuroplasticity. Our brain responds to healthy energy moving through, and so does our DNA. And so does our blood and all the functions of your body, right down to the subatomic level. So you have that ability to drive the neuroplasticity. You're always changing. Your brain's always changing. You're always experiencing things because you're always thinking. You don't even go three seconds without thinking. So my thing is, why don't we learn how to direct your thinking so that you direct your neuroplasticity? That's been the goal of my research for 38 years, from working in clinical practice for 25 years, working with all kinds of issues from the dementias to learning disabilities to autism to people with traumatic brain injuries to people in trauma, war-torn countries, dealing with traumas, etc., working in a wide variety of contexts. I spent many years trying to understand the mind, the mind-brain connection, and the resilience of humans and how we can learn to be less reactive and more proactive in, in terms of mind management, in terms of this embrace process and reconceptualize. And and the key is to be able to 
learn the skill of understanding how to think and feel and choose in a very deliberate and conscious way. I'm always on the hunt for ways to improve my mental and physical health without breaking the bank or spending hours at the gym. One of my favorite ways to keep myself healthy is bone broth. Bone broth contains all the essential nutrients your body needs to thrive like collagen, protein, and amino acids. And it's amazing for your gut, which is where the majority of serotonin is produced, which is the feel-good chemical. So I always want to make sure my gut is working well. My favorite bone broth company is Ketlin Fire because it's incredibly convenient and great for busy lifestyles. Authentic bone broth takes 20 plus hours to make. Not to mention it smells up your whole house. Ketlin Fire ships straight to your door in specially sealed cartons that locks in freshness for up to two years and takes less than two minutes to heat up and enjoy. I love having my bone broth in a mug with a little coconut oil and lemon. It's not only nutritious, but tastes absolutely delicious. It's paleo and keto-friendly, Whole30 approved and certified gluten-free. And all the products are made with only real whole food ingredients. They don't use any added hormones, antibiotics or additives, GMOs, MSG or dairy. They only use grass-fed, grass-finished cattle, bones and pasture-raised chicken bones, organic veggies and spices. And just for my listeners, save 25% and get free shipping with my exclusive code Dr. Leaf. Or go to ketlandfire.com forward slash Dr. Leaf. The link and offer details will also be in the show notes. So what I want to do now is show you a, a slide that is just, it's a human brain, a real life person linked up to this incredible brain technology. I use some of that technology in my research. And what you'll see is this fire going through the brain, literally looks like a fire. All that orange light looks like a fire. Now, because that person is alive and thinking, feeling and choosing in response to whatever the activity was that they were doing, we see that firing up in the brain. If that person was dead and you put that same equipment on a dead person, we wouldn't see that firing in the brain. So it's the person's ability to think and feel and choose in response to every moment of every day that is being captured in that particular moment for that person in the slide that you're looking at now. So what you're seeing is thinking, feeling and choosing moving through the brain and the brain responding to the mind, responding to the mind on this electrical, chemical, genetic level. Every single one of you right now listening to me, if I linked you to the same equipment, we would see this firing going on in your brain. But it would be unique because none of us think in the same way. None of us perceive things in the same way. Every single perception is completely unique and unique to you and how you think about things. And that uniqueness of how we respond is totally influenced by our past. Where is our past? Our past is stored in the mind and the brain. In the mind, it is stored in what we call the non-conscious mind. The non-conscious mind, not, not, not unconscious, N-O-N, non-conscious mind, is the biggest part of our mind. It's the part where all the memories are stored in thought trees. And we're going to be talking about that in the next session. I'm going to be talking specifically and teaching you what a thought tree is and memories and the non-conscious mind in more depth. But for now, I want you to understand that the mind has got this non-conscious element, which is so powerful and so fast. We can only really understand it with things like quantum physics, which works with instantaneous, very, very fast computations. And in this non-conscious mind, which is the biggest part of you, are all your experiences, everything that you have experienced right from when you're in the womb, birth, etc., through life, and the changes you've made in your beliefs systems and your core values and how you see yourself and and but at the core of that is the uniqueness of you so what we see in the non-conscious mind is this, this huge energy and at its core is this 
perfect you. It's is this is this nature that is like full of wisdom. Like there's he's knowing exactly how to respond. So at the core of who you are, when you really get in touch with that core of who you are, you actually can learn how to respond to life in the correct way. But on top of that, we have all this other stuff around the core that are our experiences of life, some good and some bad, and that influences how we function. So as you go into daily life, you've got the experiences of life and then things push up from the non-conscious mind that are connected to what we are experiencing, that are somehow connected because it's something familiar, and that is how we view the current situation. So we view the current situation through the past, and if it's healthy and if it's good and it works, that's great. It'll just add value. But if it's toxic, if it's unhealthy, if it's a trauma, if it's in if it's a trauma in a relationship that's informing a current relationship, then you're looking at it from the wrong perspective. You can either just automatically go through that and it'll wreck the relationship, or you can very proactively manage that process and become very deliberate and conscious, use your conscious mind to evaluate what's coming up from the non-conscious mind. That's a big part of mind management. Being able to read the signals that are coming up from the non-conscious mind through the subconscious mind into the conscious mind. So mind has got three divisions. Mind, the mind is thinking, feeling, and choosing. And there's three divisions. The conscious mind, which is the slowest part, actually, which does most of the conscious choosing. And it's like the working workhorse. Then you've got your subconscious mind, which is the connection between the depths of your huge spiritual non-conscious part of you, which is the non-conscious. So it's the conscious the subconscious and the non-conscious and the non-conscious where all the memories are and because the core of us is actually wired for love it's like balls of energy so when we have unhealthy toxic thought we've got this unhealthy toxic energy which damages the brain and damages the body and damages the dna so then that those little balls of toxic energy push through the subconscious and come through as warning signals and what is a warning signal depression anxiety, etc. So this is your body trying to bring balance back to the disequilibrium that the mental chaos has caused in the mind and in the brain and the body. So the non-conscious mind works to alert us. So that's why we need to tune in. That's why I say embrace the depression because you're tuning in to the message of the non-conscious mind, the core that has the wisdom and is trying to get rid of this toxic balls of energy that are causing all this like hovering anxiety and ruminating and toxic ruminating and doing, making us do weird things like people pleasing and whatever and all these you know crazy bad habits that we develop or affecting our relationships we need to look at all of that and grab onto all of that as messages as i already said the only way out is through so we have to embrace and process and reconceptualize so in essence how do we do that well i've developed a technique over these 38 years a basic there's a lot to mind management but i've developed a basic technique that incorporates and helps to get you into doing this mind management where you proactively can manage all these things that I've been describing, that you can respond to these balls of energy moving from your non-conscious through your subconscious and popping into your conscious mind as, as signals of depression, etc., where you can learn to grab those and find the meaning behind them and dig back down and do the deconstruction and the reconstruction, that whole house renovation example I gave you. And I've had to make it very simple when I was working with my patients. I mean, the science, I can give you 15 3,500 hours of the science, but I had to make it super simple. So I've done that. I've Over years, I've refined a very complex process into a very simple concept called the neurocycle. Neuro for brain cycle. You use neurocycling through your brain. It's a five-step process that as you that is like a delivery system. You know, like UPS delivers parcels, but every parcel is different, but the system works. It's a delivery system. The five-step 
of the neurocycle is a delivery system that when you master those five steps, you can apply it to absolutely every situation in your life. It is a way that you can learn to consciously and deliberately and intentionally control those every three seconds so that when you're in the neurocycle, you can learn as you read the text and you suddenly feel all this whoosh of anxiety and all these thoughts coming up about I'm useless or this or whatever. You can actually use the neurocycle to stand back and observe this consciously and deliberately go through these steps to to actually analyze that reaction and work out a better way of responding that won't damage your brain and your body. Because if you get stuck in the toxic rumination, that is what's going to happen. You're going to, get, you're going to actually cause damage in your brain and your body. As I mentioned, my research showed that when you can, when you learn to control your mind, you can control, you improve your ability to control anxiety and depression and make it work for you by a factor of 81%. In my research years ago, I showed that it was a 35 to 75%. As I've refined my techniques and developed and learned more and done more research, this has increased now to 81%. So who wouldn't want to be 81% more in control of their mind? So the neurocycle is a five-step technique that is so powerful and into that into that five steps, you can you can put whatever systems you want. You can do whatever strategies you want. It's not limited. You can apply any strategy that you've maybe learned from a therapist or that you've developed yourself. I mean, we're really creative as human beings. We really get good at developing little distractions and developing little ways of coping. It may be like imagining someone's in a box when they're worrying you or whatever. There's many different strategies and there's some great therapeutic strategies out there that fit into the system. But you can't just take a strategy like a Band-Aid and whack it on the issue and say, okay, I'm depressed, strategy or drug. You have to be much more proactively involved. The only way out is through. And the problem, though, with going through is it's scary. It's scary. It's painful. It's frightening. Sometimes to go back and to see you behave like this, this behavior is coming from this traumatic event. It's really frightening to see that. But the fear that you're feeling or the weakness that you're feeling or the anxiety will actually increase a little bit. We saw that with our research and I'm going to show you this as we go through these sessions. And I want to tell you that that's okay because when you're feeling a little worse after getting a revelation of something, that means that something's happening. That means your brain is changing. That means you're using your thinking to find your thinking. The simplest analogy to understand that is if you think of having surgery. I've got lots of friends who are surgeons and I was having a surgery the one time and my friend who was doing the surgery said that, sorry, but I have to cut you up to fix you up and there's going to be pain. And that's exactly what's happening. When we talk about embracing, we talk about embracing that, that depression, anxiety, that pain to find the message and then it gets worse before it gets better. That's called the treatment effect, but it will get better. But the process of embracing and processing, well, going through the embracing and processing can be very painful. And that is why I teach you how to use the neurocycle. For, for example, when you're working with a trauma, you limit it to seven to 20 minutes a day. You don't spend hours on it. And then you have a time in the rest of your day that when your mind wants to go down a rabbit hole and you're going to get depressed and you can't function and you feel a panic attack coming on, you can then anchor yourself back in a hope. So I teach you how to, the fifth step is, is a step you'll be seeing as we learn these, these five steps, is a way of anchoring you back in hope, bringing you back to, to that place where you feel safe. So it's a safe space. It's, it's, it's much more than a positive affirmation, but you can use positive affirmations when you understand how to use this fifth step. But what's really important, what I'm saying to you, is that you don't just do this, you're consciously aware all the time, but you don't do hard trauma work for the whole day. That's exhausting. You can't do that. Your battery will drain. You've got to do it for limited periods of time. But there are certain things that you can use the five steps for and for unlimited amounts of time, and that's brain building. I'm going to teach you how to use the five steps to build your brain, which builds mental toughness because it builds brain resilience. And that's there's no limit to how much time you spend on that. 
So we're going to start with that. One of the first sessions, in session number three, we're going to learn how to do brain building, to build mental toughness and resilience. I always started like that with my patients. I wouldn't dive straight into all the hard stuff. I would first build resilience and teach that. And it's an incredibly good coping strategy when you are in a bad place or something happens and knocks you. It's a re-anchoring process, resets the brain, changes how the neurochemicals flow and does great stuff for you. But we'll dive into that more in session three. And then we'll also talk about how to use the five steps of neurocycling, not only for brain building, but we'll also talk in other sessions about how to use it to deal with toxic trauma, help your kids, things like ruminating, people pleasing. We've got a really got some great application sessions that I'm going to be doing with you. So in summary for today, I want you to have a look at the slide and you'll see there that it says mind is 99% and brain and brain and body are 1%. So the physical part of you is about 1% of who you are. And I know it's kind of a hard thing to conceptualize, but the physical, because we're so aware of the physical, but the physical part of you is about 1% of you. The thing that drives this whole process is your mind. I mean, your mind is what you're using when you make the decision to exercise or not exercise, eat healthy or not eat healthy, you're sleeping, etc., etc. And yes, obviously there are biological things. If you have a brain trauma, that can affect your mind as well. It works both ways. But your brain is and body are 1%, your mind is 99%. And that 99% mind is divided into the non-conscious, which is the biggest part, the subconscious, which is a small little slice, and the conscious, which is a small part. And so your non-conscious is really big and it's driving the conscious mind. So therefore, we need to learn how to listen to the non-conscious mind and dive deep and find the things that are affecting us. And that's what the neurocycle will help you to do. All this complex science and all these complex things are very, very doable. So I've made it very simple, but the simplicity doesn't take away the profound impact of the neurocycle and also the incredible science that it is built upon. So mind is 99%, brain and body are 1%, and your mind controls your brain, your brain responds to your mind. I want to just also say that obviously if you are exposed to toxins, that can damage your brain and your body and that can feed back into your mental health and also affect your mental health. So there is the, you could be exposed to Lyme disease, you could have parasites, you could have an illness that you contract and that can obviously feed back into your, into your mind because the brain and the mind work in a feedback loop. You can't, they separate but inseparable. Okay, so we have got to work both ways. But at the same time, when we know that the physiology will feed back into the brain, obviously the way you think changes the brain. But we can't say that you're depressed because you have this a lack of serotonin in your brain. That is not even science. It's not it, it's not even accepted by top scientists. That's just a theory that's been never proven. You do not have depression because you're because you have don't have enough serotonin. There is no science, decent science behind that, and it has been pushed aside. Unfortunately, it's not in the mainstream. You still get that message coming through the mainstream, which is very unfortunate. Because it's not a simple add some serotonin. That doesn't work like that. Obviously, if you are in a mental mess and you're going through stuff, you will have all kinds of things being affected and your brain physiology will be affected. Because our mind moves through the brain, you can mess up your serotonin, but that's not the only thing you'll mess up. You'll mess up your whole neurochemistry, your endocrine system, your, your, your cortisol, your DHEA levels, your prolactin, which is a hormone that, that responds to your emotional state that you're in. Your telomeres, which are little the caps on your chromosomes, we'll talk more about those. Yes, because your mind moves through your brain, you will get that response in your brain and your body. When we don't manage our mind, we get low-grade inflammation across our brain and our body. And that definitely leads to depression. But the cause is not that there's depression inside waiting to jump out of your brain or that there's an imbalance that's causing you to feel like this. It's your life experiences 
that have made you feel in feel this way. And there's nothing to be ashamed of. And it doesn't need to be validated. You need to be free to be able to express what you are going through because as humans, that's what love is. Being able to say, hey, I feel terrible and I need your help. Or if I'm feeling depressed today, just like give me some space or help me understand or just come and sit with me or whatever it may be. You don't need to be ashamed of that. Your mind experience is in response to life and you need to be heard and you also need to be given the skills of mind management so that between the therapy sessions you can manage those every three seconds any brain look at this slide any brain at any age and no matter what has happened to it can be made to function at a higher level because of directed neuroplasticity you direct the changes in your brain I showed this in the 80s when we were told the brain couldn't change and I did research with people with traumatic brain injuries and they told me, why are you working on that population? Once your brain's damaged, that's it. I said, no, I don't believe that. I believe your brain can change. And in the mid-90s, it was accepted that neuroplasticity actually happens. The way we use our mind does change and alter functions. There's lots of studies showing that the way medicine works if people have cancer and their attitude and their mind helps to be able to increase the effectiveness of medication. There's so many studies in that area. So... Modern society is literally designed to give us a mental mess. So we need to know how to manage our mind so that we don't get in a mental mess. And when we do, don't feel guilty because guilt will drain you. Take the guilt, use it as a springboard, take the depression, take the anxiety, take all the warning signals and use them as a springboard. Embrace them. The only way through is the only way out is through. We all have to learn, not just some people, all of us have to learn how to catch and alter our thoughts and reactions before they become toxic neural networks and habits. And if they have already become, no guilt, you can fix it. That's the hope in this whole thing. It's such a hopeful thing. It doesn't mean, oh gosh, I'm so bad, I can't do that and I couldn't. It doesn't matter. You didn't know how. Now you're going to learn how. You're going to learn about neurocycling. In fact, managing the mind is more than a lifestyle. It is a necessity. Have a look at the slide. Because you don't even go three seconds without thinking. I'm so excited to share more with you in the next session. I hope you found today's podcast interesting and helpful. If you want more tips and help with managing anxiety, depression, and mental health, be sure to visit my website at drleaf.com and to sign up for my weekly newsletter where I also include a schedule of my speaking events and so much more. And follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just look for Dr. Caroline Leaf. Also, I love seeing all your posts on social media about this podcast. I love seeing what resonates with you and what you've learned. So be sure to continue posting and tagging me and letting me know what you think and how these tips worked out for you. And don't forget, leave a review and keep spreading the word about this podcast. Thank you for joining me today. I really hope you learned something new and helpful. Till then, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf. This podcast represents the opinions of myself and my guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for educational and informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional for any individual medical questions you may have. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions or corrections of errors.